self-awareness or what is what does the team need for me today or what does the organization or my clients what did they need for me today mm-hmm. and examining that kind of minute to minute that's part of that adaptive leadership it's really about um, self-awareness and resilience and adaptability that is necessary each day as a leader to not be rigid <laughs> let's yeah. put it that way. yeah yeah well I mean it's not black and white everything's so gray and I mean, I really see this as a parent too. I mean, I know you have two kids, I have two kids, yours are a little older than mine, but I mean, just the minute by minute leadership as a parent, it is, I mean, you just have to be living on the fly. Absolutely, I think there is no better terminology to describe parenting teenagers than adaptive parenting. Um, you know, it's, it's day to day and it's also trusting in what you're building and equipping other people yeah. Um, that's really hard to let go, right? And when you had to do it with teams and organizations and clients, it's easier to do it with kids. Mm-hmm. Knowing that failing forward is something we all have to do. Those lessons are a lot easier to learn than lectures and showing people the perfect pathway because that never exists. Right. So how do you think someone can be more adaptable? Like what, have you done any work on yourself to become more adaptable? Has it come naturally? I mean, what's a way someone can just kind of work on that Um, loosening that uh, rigidity in themselves and become more adaptable? I think the first thing that you have to do, and this was for me, is realizing that the rigidity was holding me back. Mm -hmm. So that white knuckle grip that we hold on to things is only restricting ourselves, right? It's restricting opportunity, it's restricting outcomes, and it's holding me back emotionally because I'm, you know, rigid or I have sight toward this one particular goal and then I might might not might not be where I end up in all actuality right and so the pathway can look different and the outcome can be better than you expect if you let go of that white knuckle so for me it was learning the hard way Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of things had to be kind of pulled from my white knuckle grip Mm -hmm. um, through decades of experience and realizing that um, the end of every day the beginning of every day is a good time to take stock and be more self-aware and reflective mm. for things I could have done different so that the next time I realize in the moment, you know what, I need to let the team decide. I need to be um, less expectant of that perfect outcome, but let the outcome bloom into something even more than I have anticipated. Does that make yeah, sense? that totally makes sense. And something so hard, especially for I mean, I'm very goal oriented, so I often tend to set a goal and work backwards on how I'm going to achieve that goal and then plug those little things into my schedule. So, um, yeah, I think that's just so much harder said than done, but so important because you're right. I mean, seeing where things can go when we loosen, loosen up our grip is so much more amazing than, um, you know, just kind of hitting the goal and and moving on to the next thing because there's always going to be a next thing. There is. And you know, one of the the my favorite KLC principles that they teach um, in adaptive leadership is about getting on the balcony. It's about that reflection time. And I think when we allow ourselves, it's why leaders should work on the business, not in the business all the time. Yeah. You have to pull yourself out of that day-to-day because that day-to-day is what keeps you in a pretty rigid pathway like you ride in the tire tracks, right? Yeah. Because it's what you've been doing and you, you have your nose down and you're looking only a couple steps ahead. And when you pull yourself out and allow yourself reflection time and you get on the balcony and you see it differently, it's a perspective shift. And then you can look at, what you can do differently, what you should do differently, and you approach the next day, each day differently. Yeah. With that 
face, you know, from the day to day, it's like the 30,000 foot view. It helps. Yeah. Oh, I have it on my calendar every night to review my day. And I've got like three questions and I never do it. I just, I just like kind of end my day and I'm like reading my Magnolia magazine in bed and you are motivating me to actually take the time and write my journal, how the day went, because I think you're, you're right. It's a day to day challenge and, and just like the process of letting the feeling forward go too. like journaling would be a really good way to, to kind of do that. Well, and don't, don't be, um, don't kid yourself that I do this perfectly every day. It probably happens more weekly or monthly when I hold the balcony, you know, whenever you work for yourself, it's much harder to do that, that often when you have a staff of people and an admin, you can do it daily. (laughs) Like we get to write, we'll let each other know. Yeah. (laughs) It, It happens more weekly or monthly. And sometimes it's a car ride. It's not even the same time every day. But the opportunity and quiet moments, sometimes it happens when I'm 10 minutes early to school pickup (laughs) that I get to reflect on the meetings that I've had and where I'm going. But to definitely be intentional at least once a week or once a month to block off part of your calendar to have that intention. How am I spending my time? Am I spending my time appropriately? How am I handling clients? How How am I adapting as a leader? How am I building myself up? Yeah. Well, and I think so often when we get those 10 minutes before school time, we are like on Instagram or answering a quick email or, I mean, those are probably my two number one habits instead of just taking a breath to think. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love it. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. So um, have you discovered that there are any challenges that you feel are unique to female leaders? Absolutely. I would say unique to my own career, but not unique to women in my age group. Probably in the beginning, the challenges were that there weren't enough seats at the table. So there was a really competitive environment and females were not advocating for each other in the workplace. We weren't building each other up. We were fighting for um, very few seats um, at the big table. And that's really hard. The other other big challenge that I think still exists, I do think that one's getting better. Mm is that um, we have to know the language that we're supposed to be speaking. And the language and culture for women in our Western world is still very male-centered. It doesn't mean we have to stop being who we are, but we need to be aware of the rules of the game and the language being spoken, and we have to be very adaptive to that. Um, so I think that still exists. Interesting. And do, you have any, part- do you have any examples of, of any specifics around uh, the language? Yes. Yes, and specifically, I'm gonna go into the examples that Sally Helgeson used in her books, um, How Women Rise. It's one of the courses we also have on methods of leaders. And she talks about triggers. And, and, And I don't know that she specifically talks about language, but the way it's happened for me is that I have to, in a especially certain male dominated industries, Um, I have to be very cognizant of the fact that I can't be too female Mm -hmm. at times. Um, I can't be too emotional. I can't be too strong at times that can come across um, differently when it comes from a woman than, than a man. And so just reading the room and being very aware of my own 
perceptions of people or the way that I tend to interact and, and just being very adaptable to that. Again, it doesn't mean that I'm not who I am and I'm not a female leader yeah. in an environment. It just means that I'm reading the room and making sure that I'm reflecting the culture of the organization and the way they handle women is different. Every culture of an organization is very different and how they view strong women, how they view women leaders. A lot of men in my career have been more advocates for me than women, um, which is extraordinary. And I do think that's shifting, but uh, it's an awareness of what, what I tend to do. I love talking about tend tos and how men tend to view me, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. So some of the things that Sally talks about in her book that I would say I, I am the biggest challenges for me in triggers is I don't leverage relationships as well as men do. That's something that I've started watching more. So I understand that language and nuance so I can do it better in business. Um, women are really compassionate and build great relationships, but we don't yes. tend to leverage those for our benefit and growth or for others. And the other one is that I tend to expect others to notice my hard work and that I don't maybe advocate for myself necessarily or gain testimonials. Mm. I don't toot my own horn is a way to say that. Um, that. But it's very common in our culture. It's part of the language that men speak that we tend to not join that conversation. So those are kind of two examples um, from Sally's book for me. Have, are you familiar with Sally Helgeson at all? I am, and I have read her book, How Women Rise. I'm actually in the middle of it right now, and I've looked into and done a couple of her courses on methods of leaders, and yeah, I'm super excited about the work she's done, and I mean, she's been in the industry for decades upon decades, so she is, um, I mean, one of the leading experts on on women in leadership. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm super excited. We'll put a link to Methods and Sally in the show notes, so anyone can check that out. Perfect. Um, I was going to say though, I think I, there's so much to unpack there that I feel like we don't, probably don't have the time to unpack all of that. But one of the things that I have noticed is there is a difference in building relationships, which you're right, that comes naturally to many women. Many women are very good at it versus leveraging them. So, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned you'd been studying some of the language around how men tend to leverage relationships. Do you have any um, examples or any? just anything you could share to further dive into that? No, I think that it's not as specific as words used, but the fact that it is common to the culture that men work in in business, that they do this well and often. And probably Natural. without guilt. You without know. guilt and without feeling. We feel kind of uncomfortable asking, right? It, it's, um, you know, we have like a need to please complex and we're always looking for how to make other people's emotions more comfortable. And we don't like our own uncomfortable emotions and asking for that help um, feels different to us than it does for men. Okay. And so that's part of that. It's, it's a common part of their language. They don't even think about that being an issue mm-hmm. at all. It doesn't come up for them. And it's something we have to work through that obstacle in order to get to a place where asking for and leveraging those relationships for our growth is a benefit. And it's a way that business works in our Western culture. Yeah, I agree. And I think, having to work through that obstacle for me, a lot of times when I am making an ask, um, you know, I have to recognize that feeling and sort of recognize that it's there and honor it, but sort of just set it aside and separate my action and logic from the feeling. I think that's like kind of pivotal to me. What about, what about you? Any advice you have around that? 
It is absolutely. And honestly, I hold myself to like when I have lunch or breakfast or happy hour with friends who are also colleagues mm -hmm. that I literally put on my personal agenda on my calendar. So I don't forget, I'm going to ask them for, mm -hmm. right. Um, yeah. because I can, I can get very involved in the person and caring for the person and being compassionate and, and asking questions. And that's kind of my, my nature yeah. and that I forget to leave with something that I need. Yes. And, um, and so I, I literally put it like on the meeting agenda as a reminder for myself, I'm going to go into this meeting to ask for X or oh my whatever. Gosh. Okay. I usually don't re-listen to these podcasts because once you have the conversation, it's kind of out in the world and I don't re-listen, but I'm going to have to sit down with this conversation with a notepad and write down all these things that you're saying. <laughs> um, that makes me feel super important. A thousand points. You are so important. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so in what ways do you think kind of on the flip side, and we talk about this a lot with the thread and we have women in all different industries. We have entrepreneurs, we have corporate women, we have plenty of women in male dominated industries, but we talk often about how being a female is our superpower and how to harness that. So kind of on the flip side, you mentioned you do have to read the room and adjust your self to the room while staying true to yourself. But how do you harness that, that, that superpower of a woman, of being a woman? So these are the things that I have admired for decades in the women I've been blessed enough to be encircled with in my inner circle, professionally and personally. I think that women have the most incredible intuition. Um, so I think we have to trust our gut every single time, even when logic is an opposition to it. And sometimes data is an opposition to it. Mm -hmm. um, the intuition that I see in the women around me and when they let it lead, it is incredibly, uh, it's a superpower and they deserve capes, banners and crowns. Um, <laughs> I also think that we have the ability to be more deep and insightful. Um, we have the ability to be more reflective and think about things from multiple perspectives, apply empathy and compassion in a way that a man might not. And, and, and the outcome of a situation can be different because we have those lenses. And if we allow ourselves to apply those instead of separate them, you know, a lot of times, you know, the gift of emotion, we shouldn't lead with it, but it should always be a filter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There are the correct applications for it, but it should never be removed at all. And that's what I, you know, I, if I could say anything to any woman, it is to use the gifts of intuition and your emotion as a way to make sure that what you see is different than someone else in the room and the choices that you will make will always be different because of it. Yeah. Um, so, so I think good. that's a huge power. Um, the, the other one is that women always carry more than their load. Yeah. The female leaders I know are, are carrying burdens, like you said, whether it's parenting, um, volunteering, taking care of parents, mm -hmm. helping a neighbor, the things and the layers beneath women in leadership is always 10 miles deep. It's like mm -hmm. you see the tip of the iceberg and you admire it and you just know that they are sharpening so many things up a mountain. And um, we have the ability to do that. We just have to you know, make sure we take care of ourselves but that's a superpower. I mean, women love deeply and they care deeply and, um, and they embed themselves in their community in a way that makes a difference. So I think that's a huge superpower that we have to capitalize on. It's a way to network differently. And again, that's a way you can leverage relationships because you are embedded in different avenues and areas in your community. Yeah. Um, I wrote something else down. Uh, women are the glue. Yeah. 
that we hold people together and that's a huge superpower. Um, I think we hold teams together, families together, communities together um, because we have this innate ability to, to love deeper and be more compassionate. It's an automatic connector and it draws people to us. So I, I, that's, that's how I have been blessed by the women in my circle that impress me deeply. Mm, oh my gosh, those are all so good. Um, it, I was thinking about this the other day in my two families, so my family and my husband's family, it is, you know, it's, it's women who are, are the constant communicators, the constant, you know, let's get something else on the books, just that glue that keeps the family together. So, or, you know, or business. Um, so I really, I really love that and find that to be so true. I well, wanted- we tend to be more present right? We, we tend to want to be present eyeball to eyeball in the relationship versus just spend time. Mm-hmm. And I find it so amazing. The women I know who can be present, love someone and innovate all while doing three other things. Yeah. You know? yeah. It is the ability to like be where our feet are while also be, um, be juggly. I mean, it just, it, it's really an amazing quality that we are gifted with when we use it correctly. Does that have anything to do with the name of your business, Capacity Communications? Well, thank you. I've never asked uh, that. and I. But I mean, just having this conversation, I'm like, I've never asked you why your business is named that. It is. It's about understanding that as individuals, we have a finite capacity, right? We only have so much time in a day. We only have two hands. Mm-hmm. We only have, like, I could never be an accountant. I only have the talents I was given. Mm-hmm but we have an infinite capacity to expand our character. We can expand, like you said, how can we become more adaptable? How can we be more resilient? How can we be more hopeful? How can we love people deeper? All of those things we can expand and grow through experience and failing forward and the kind of people we wanna be, right? Um, That is exactly what capacity is about because there are moments that you get to in your career when you think, "I I can't be better at this. What can I be better at? How do I, how can I expand who I am? And you start thinking about the impact you can make on people mm-hmm. has to do with everything that comes out of your heart, not out of your hands all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the combination of those two things enable us to be and make bigger impact in the world. Mm. So good. So I want to circle back to your first superpower of intuition. What does intuition feel like to you? Like if you could describe it, where, where does it show up in your body? Like what is intuition? How do you know, how do you tap into that personally? Uh, there's a couple different ways it works for me. One is I feel, if you know the word resonance, mm-hmm. um, when you, like when you and I met, mm-hmm. like there was a chemistry and our souls resonated. Mm-hmm. And when I feel that, I, I feel that that is a green light for me to um, unite with the person, mm-hmm. to interact with a person, to build a friendship, build a personal relationship, as well as a professional relationship. Like, what can I do to help you succeed? You know? Yeah. I wanted to be a part of the thread because I felt a resonance in our values and our goals and the people that we were. And so I just, I have to acknowledge that right away and enable myself to see opportunity and say yes. So that's one thing. Okay. The other, the other way is in the gut and, and that is good or bad. The ability to say, I don't want to do business with someone Mm -hmm. or I do want to do business. Like, you know, when, when you're faced with, hmm, is this a good decision or not? It's the gut check that tells you. When, when especially for me, the gut check is usually, that's where I feel the negative one. Um, 
in that maybe this isn't something I want to pursue or the timing's off or there's something off that I need to pay attention to or at least step back from mm -hmm. and give it more data opportunity and research mm -hmm. before jumping in. You know, some, what, you know, one of my mom's sayings was always, if it's, if it seems too good to be true, it is. Uh -huh. um, and sometimes people on paper can seem just right, mm -hmm. but they're just, there's something off. And, and that's usually that, that listening to the gut. Mm. And so what if you get into a relationship with a person, business relationship or um, colleague, and you think it's going well at first, but then something comes up that gives you that gut feeling. How do you as a leader sort of back off of those situations? And do you know what I'm talking about? Like you. you get involved and you're like, yes. And then you're like, okay, this is for some reason, maybe not for me right now. It depends on the level of involvement in the circumstance. But, you know, for instance, I've, I've been known to say things like, you know, from the original time we spoke and I was really excited about doing this project together and there seems to be things creeping up that I didn't anticipate happening mm. that make me now question that original conversation. Mm. Or we've, we've, the scope creep has happened or um, I'm, I'm starting to feel defensive or uncomfortable with the direction that we're heading based on where I thought we were headed originally. Can we just level set that conversation again and see if we're still on the same page, right? It's really not necessarily always about like doom and gloom is happening, yeah. but maybe it's crossing into my boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's taking more time than I thought, and that's infringing on my ability to serve other clients or serve my family. Mm -hmm. And so I have to just double check my boundaries to see what is it bumping into? Is it bumping into a value? Is it you know, a conflict of value, or is it about time, or is it really just about something simple like scope creep, which happens all the time in situations with clients, and you just yeah. have to come back to, let's go back to square one and see if we are on the same page with where we're headed, okay. you know, yeah. and something that takes care of it, um, if it's, you know, if it's doom and gloom and something nefarious happening, you know, then it's really just about addressing it to move on, right? Yeah. But I like that term level set because so often you're right. We start out here and then, I mean, just cope scope creep in any situation. I mean, that just happens so, so right. much. So I think level setting, having a conversation to level set where we are based on where we're headed versus our original conversation. I love just that, that tool, that, that language. It is. And sometimes it's about examining expectations. Maybe we didn't clarify expectations and this is what I thought the expectations were. Yeah. Let's talk about what you thought yours were to see if that's why something's happening and I'm feeling a gut feeling or feeling something shifted in the relationship. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's unverbalized expectations or a, just a, a differentiation between the two expectations. Yeah. And sometimes people don't realize their expectations until they get in, you mm -hmm. know, and so that's a good, good time to check in. So that's, that's really good, really helpful. Um, what advice would you leave female leaders in Wichita specifically? Um, I love that the culture here has shifted enough that there is more room at the table for women. Mm -hmm. And I would be incredibly encouraging to women to have that abundance mindset and always lifting others up, yeah. always expecting there to be plenty of room where we're all headed. Everybody can head up together. We need to be more of a tribe and have that tribal mentality that doing it together and rowing together in a boat is always a better idea than trying to go alone yeah. and advocating for each other, yeah. right? That, that whether it's looking to women above us to help pull us up or just to, I, I say, I could sit at the feet of women that have come before me 
and have are more experienced and I want to sit at their feet and I want to learn. Mm -hmm. So I want to be constantly eager and curious for women that know how to do it right and better. And I also want to help women around me all the time mm -hmm. by giving them that abundance mindset and know that, that I can advocate for them. I'm happy to advocate for them. And that's what we should be doing for our tribe. Yeah. I have a friend who um, said that there's a quote going around. Um, I don't know who said it, but they, they phrased it as be friends with uh, women who will mention your name in a room full of opportunities. And I always, mm -hmm. that's who I want to be, you know, and that's who, obviously who I want to be around too, right? That's, that's, that's who I want to attract to my life. And, and I think that kind of sums up that abundance mindset and rowing together and being a tribe. It does. And one of the things that I encourage people around me all the time in, in understanding your purpose and what, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning should be something that really does drive you to innovate and change. And, you know, one of the mantras that I say to myself all the time is that I want to leave things better than I found them. And I want to love people deeply mm -hmm. and whatever it is that you say to yourself and in that story that gets you going is something that you should know deep in your soul. Well, about yourself so that you can um, display that to others and that you can have more impact and multiply the multiply your talents and gifts and um, multiply the strengths that you have yeah I love that I recently began um, writing I am every day and just finishing that sentence you know I am working in my zone of genius I am doing what I was born to do I am making an impact whatever you know is, is meaningful to me at that time but but just kind of calling it out and reminding myself you know that I am what I you know what I say I am and so I want to you know have that mindset you know for some reason it just made me think of when you were saying that that we also have to give ourselves permission as women to say I am in my pajama pants today yeah <laughs> right? I am um, I'm in my pajama pants today closing the biggest deal of the month that is what I am doing <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, and that I, I give myself permission to be, I am what I am in that moment. Yeah. And that it's not always perfect. Yeah. And it's not always with a cape. And um, sometimes it's hobbling and that's also okay because at the end of that day, I can say I did my best. Right. You know, right. what I had. Well, this yeah. season I have my kids home two days a week and, and today is one of the days that they're home. So I've got grandparents to help out in the mornings. So I am juggling motherhood and my business this summer and I, I I want to do that you know it's a choice that I got to make and I'm, I feel privileged to make but that's exactly what I do have to tell myself when when things get stressful is you know I am doing this so that you know I can be spend time with my babies and you know grow my business um, and just giving myself permission to do that and, and and just owning that that's been super powerful instead of trying to hide it or you know um, trying to look like I'm I'm doing both 100%. It's like, no, at this time, I'm with you, and I'm mm -hmm. present and loving this conversation. Three hours ago, I was making monster sandwiches, drawing right. monster sandwiches with my kids, and I loved that too, and it's like, I can, I can be both. Just giving myself permission for that has been big for me this season. It is, and to allow ourselves not to be perfect, you know, that whatever we present, that we also show each other as women, the dirty kitchen sink, I yeah. call it. Like yeah. You go to a girlfriend's house and you're like, oh, her laundry's on the couch too, and it's not. <laughs> right. You're you like, know? we are friends. She let me come over with her laundry on the couch. She loves me. 
please, yeah. you know, let me see your dirty sink. Let me see the fact that, you know, you also fall behind in areas because you have to prioritize. Yep. Nothing is done perfectly. And sometimes the morning is spent. I was going to make monster sandwiches, but then I ended up like yelling, screaming, the kitchen's still a train wreck. I have to get on the podcast, you know, so true. like I there, there are ugly the moments. Playroom rug. There are ugly moments, yep. right? And we have to show each other and give each other permission to see that mm. instead of trying to have that veneer. Um, there, there are a lot uh, of imperfect moments in order to accomplish what we need to and make impact where we want to. Yeah. And that means prioritizing out things like the clean kitchen or you know, whatever it is, the lawn care, the laundry, yeah. the, um, you know, my QuickBooks receipts back up for months, you know, I, I you mean, know, the things that yeah. get prioritized out are just not as important. Yeah. And we have to let those things go and we have to let each other see those things. Yeah. I canceled a, or I moved a meeting uh, tomorrow. It had been on the books for three weeks and it's just not in my focus area this summer. So we, we moved it back a month and it was kind of an uncomfortable conversation. You know, no one likes to say, Hey, can we, can we please move a meeting? And I don't do it very often, but that was totally one of mine today. I just looked at my June and was like, there's a couple things that have to go for me able to, for me to be able to fit in the things that are priorities. And, and that's unfortunate and I will disappoint some people, but if I want, focus on my priorities then I mean I just can't do it all so that's right yeah that's right we can't do it all say that yeah. again that's, yeah. that's a really important phrase yeah. and we need to know that even the women that we admire they're not doing it all either yeah you know Agreed. they are prioritizing and they're sacrificing at the same time yeah and it's really important for us to know that that dignifies who we are as humans right um there there's no when you say superpower we all have been gifted gifted with talents and things that we do have as superpowers but we're not superhuman yeah you know yeah. we're still fallible and um and it dignifies who we are as people to be able to say that you know so that we can fail forward mm. well thank you for letting me sit at your feet and learn on this oh. podcast but also in the over the past year i really appreciate it no, How? I appreciate you. And I want you to know that like the note you left on my desk still sits there as an ever present reminder. That's one of those things that we can gift each other with Yeah, is those words of affirmation and encouragement. And so that you encouraged me that day and it's an ever present reminder to always do that and to pay it forward. So thank you for blessing me. Oh, How can people find you? Or um, tell I us like a little bit about what you're up to. Yes, I have capacity.com is um, where you find what I do for capacity and speaking engagements and workshops. And at methodsof.com, you can find all the coursework for leadership development around methods of leaders and Marshall Goldsmith's 100. Janice at ihavecapacity.com. Okay, awesome. And then there may potentially be a podcast coming back. There will. Okay, so we will follow follow you for that. Absolutely. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Janice. Have a great day. Thanks, Audra. All Good right. to see you. Bye. Bye. Recording stopped.